Hello and welcome to the Deep State Consciousness Podcast. Today I'm joined by Fiona Robertson. Fiona is a Living Inquiries facilitator and the author of The Art of Finding Yourself, Live Bravely and Awaken to Your True Nature. Fiona, good morning. Hi Richard, good to see you. I know from all our previous conversations that the Living Inquiries is something you're intensely passionate about. Okay, so let's start us off by explaining a bit about what it is. Yeah, I mean, the Living Inquiries is, is what I do. It's my work and it's also my own personal practice. It's, it's really a way of becoming deeply and intimately present with ourselves, with every aspect of ourselves and allowing space for all of those knots and tangles to, to unravel. So for me, for example, one of the, <clears throat> one of the big knots was around anxiety. I'd always, for many years, I'd been quite anxious. And the living inquiries give us a way into all of those pockets of suffering, as it were, what, whatever they are, and, and allows us to, to not only inquire into them, to ask questions about them, but also creates the space in which they can naturally unravel in their own pace, in their own time, and, and with their own intelligence. So this is about um, becoming conscious of and getting to know, if you like, every aspect of ourselves. Okay, and I know that your involvement with the Living Inquiries came at the end of a, a long period of involvement with different spiritual methodologies. I think you went from personal transformation stuff through to the more non-dual stuff, if I'm, I'm getting it right. What, what sparked that, that journey for you? And what did Yeah, you um, my story up until 2007 had been one of well, in my 20s, actually, it was engagement with community work. So I was engaged in external activity, and you could say, broadly speaking, political activity. Um, and then in my 30s and 40s, I, I was a homeopath, so I became involved in working with people. And I actually combined my two interests um, in, the, in the early 2000s, creating a, a clinic in a deprived area of the city here. So we were working with, with people um, with, all, with all sorts of trauma, basically, with, with all sorts of um, difficult backgrounds. And at the end of that, partly because we lost the funding, partly because I'd really burnt myself out, I went into quite a long, dark night of the soul. Um, and in that time, the only thing that really made sense to me was was a very a thin sliver of spiritual writings. Actually, I mean, I, I vaguely looked at some of the New Age stuff, but none of that ever really resonated with me. Um, but the certainly the work of A. H. Almas mm. did, um, and. Gradually, I came across more people whose whose work I resonated with. Scott Killaby obviously was one. Tim Freak, another, um, and there were a few others. But first and foremost, for me, it was it was my own experience that was the most powerful teacher, if you like. I mean, that sounds a bit cliched, but n n nothing nothing really 
cut it like my own experience mm. um and also the the poetry of hafiz that was an, mm -hmm. that was another one that was powerful um so it was very much a kind of mix and match as opposed to a following of anything in particular so I'm seeing a common thread there with the likes of Almas and Scott Kilby's Living Inquiries of this sense of very much being with what is and yeah. appreciating the power of awareness stripped of anything else to be with oneself and to enact transformation. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is a thread there and I think it, it it comes down to the very simple but very difficult task of really being present with ourselves you know ultimately when we really boil that down it is simple but we will do everything possible to to not do that um for very good reason because there's a lot of painful painful stuff in there very often did you experience a contradiction at this time when you have anxiety and I'm going to assume that you don't really want to have anxiety. So yeah. there's two things going on. There's a, in the spiritual sense, I'm, I'm stepping into this place where I recognize everything is wonderful as it is. Everything's perfect as it is. And at the same time, I want it to be different. Okay. And this was the contradiction I had when I had like difficult states and how do I resolve them? So I wonder what that was like for you at the time. Um, at the time, I think I just stumbled through it in a very hit and miss way, to be honest. You know, there were times when I was, like anybody else, was kicking and screaming and fighting what was here. Um, and other times when some kind of, um, I'm going to use the word surrender cautiously because to me it wasn't a passive thing and it wasn't mm. really something that I did by, by will. Um, but there would be times when I was able to, to be with it. I have to say it's much easier to do that now because, because I have a way to do that in, in the inquiry process. And that the inquiry process allows for all the kicking and screaming and fighting. So it isn't that we have to, we don't have to reach a threshold of being willing to be with, in a sense. We can be with okay. the, the being unwilling to be with. Yeah and they're fighting and resisting too. So what, what kind of transformational shift did you see when you became involved in the inquiries then? Or? Well, the first, the first thing that really happened in the early days, and I, I got involved first of all, because I was editing one or two of Scott's books. Mm -hmm. And then one day he just sent me an email saying, look, I'm thinking of training some other people in this. Do you, do you want to do it? And I just sent back an email without a second thought saying, yeah, sure. And, and the whole thing grew from there. I mean, at that point, we just had the basic inquiry and we developed the anxiety inquiry and okay. all, all the other bits and pieces subsequently. Um, but the first, the first thing that inquiry did for me was actually um, enabled, enabled me to leave it a relationship that I was in at the time which I'd struggled with for years I was really unhappy and I couldn't see my way out you know I really couldn't see the wood for the trees and very quickly that just all came together um, and I, I I left and what was fascinating to me and still is really was that 
we expect often transformation to mean feeling radically different and that's not always been my experience mm-hmm. i s- still sometimes had some of the f- same feelings but my life has radically changed so i ended up doing work that i love doing and i've ended up writing which was actually my childhood dream in fact um and doing all sorts of things having all sorts of connections with people that i would never have dreamt of 10 years ago or possibly even five five mm-hmm. six seven years ago and with that with the constant deepening as we call it deepening process of doing inquiry um i think i'm much more settled with myself but you're saying that some of the feelings remain the same so if i'm understanding you right i think a question that's um, come up for me in this is that there's an initial desire to get rid of negative feelings yes okay? liberation from that and then as i start to look into that and i struggle with it and wrestle with it at some point i start to see that there's a wisdom in these negative feelings and they're actually bringing something to me and then my relationship shifts is okay i don't want you to dominate me and run my life but I'm not sure I want you to quite go away either because you're telling me stuff about myself. Uh, Absolutely. That's perfectly put. That's totally my experience as well. So because the relationship to the the feeling changes, that changes the whole thing radically, doesn't it? As you say, we're no longer dominated by them. We're no longer dominated by the resistance or the fight against them. And that, I think, allows of a completely different relationship when we know actually you know what i know there's some wisdom and intelligence Mm. in these feelings i might not understand what that is right now but i know that if i take some time with it i look that will that will be revealed to me in some way i will i will get to see the deeper layers in that yeah yeah it's a much more integrative approach isn't it to say that actually i need at least the capacity to feel depressed or fatigued or anxious or despondent or something that's an essential part of my being too it just it shouldn't be the dominant part of my being that's running the show 90 percent of the time yeah and i I suspect that when it when those feelings are running the show 90 percent of the time even though we're feeling them there's there's a degree there's a degree to which they're unconscious or certainly the material contained within them is unconscious mm. so as we inquire we're actually building not only are we seeing what's there we're actually building the capacity to be with what's here and i think that's another reason our relationship to it changes so much it's almost like our bandwidth changes we have a much greater capacity to yeah to feel what's here and so the whole thing becomes less conditional. And yeah, um, it might be just worth, as an aside, mentioning about Scott Killaby, because we've mentioned him a couple of times. Sure. And when, when I hear the living inquiries and when other people mention it, they mention it very much in relation to addiction. Okay. So it's <clears> not <throat> something that's particular to it, because when I read your book, um, there's a whole range of different inquiries and addiction doesn't leap off the page as being the one thing this does. So what, what's the... What's sure. The, yeah. So the link there really is Scott himself. So S- Scott's background, uh, you know, he was an addict for 20 odd years. So he, his, his work, his, his 
awakening process and this development of the of this work for him was very much in relation to to addiction and he's he's obviously followed that through by setting up a recovery center in in california where he lives and and he's very focused on working on addiction because that's as i say that's his background that's that's what he loves doing mm -hmm. for others of us addiction w didn't feature so heavily in my background so my background was much more um an experience of of anxiety which really came from developmental trauma so there are other others of us within the living inquiries community working from different angles um the living inquiries themselves are designed to look at absolutely anything right okay yeah yeah so to read your book it's every chapter is like a different insight into something you've uncovered in yourself uh the the kind of core programming that's driving the behavior okay and um, so it it that's it's immensely interesting to read because it's just it's unusual and fascinating to like to see that kind of self-evaluation okay because it's like a real depth to it it's not a surface level conversation that's going on so it it sounds like it, yeah the most like immensely transformative several years for you personally to have this tool to be able to see what's going on underneath the surface so how, how has that been for you as you've, you've gone through that it, it's it's an incredible process really I mean, one of the things that constantly amazes me both in my own looking and working with clients all the time is that we just never know what's going to emerge. So even though, I mean, I'd done lots of work on myself prior to the inquiries, you know, I'd done what most people do and done therapy and various other therapeutic modalities. Doing, doing inquiries taken me deep, deeper in and more, more consistently, um, into a place where things are revealed and therefore transformed or transmuted, you could say. So wherever we start at the beginning of a session, what's revealed in that is often um, those underlying threads, those underlying beliefs, ideas, notions, equations even that we've lived by that we just haven't been aware of and often i mean i'm sure you know this from your experience you can suddenly suddenly notice something which has informed your your every you know your every waking moment yeah. um and you've just never been fully conscious of it so we're living we're living through these lenses all the time aren't we so for example i used to feel um for all sorts of good reasons from my childhood that i was unwanted mm. and that was a, a running theme that i wasn't consciously necessarily thinking all the time but i was perceiving situations from that perspective and when those perceptions become clear to us they they tend then to to dissolve or diffuse in some way. And what what do you see when you work with um, clients? This because I'm, I'm wondering. Okay, so you're clearly someone who is. This is like a central theme in your life. Okay, the, this dedication to the living inquiries is that translatable to people who come along who maybe really want to engage with it but 
don't want to make it the center point of their life. Can, what kind of transformation do you see in, in sessions with people? Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's a great question. So, so this is really a very, very flexible tool, if you like. You know, I've, I've used it with people who want, want to make it their work. You know, I'm a trainer of it. So obviously I'm, I'm, I'm training people to become facilitators. And I've worked with people who, who really just want to come in and, and work on one or two, two issues and then are happy to go away again and, and everything in between. So I love the fact that we've got a really broad spectrum of this. This is, this is not about taking on another belief system. It's not about taking on another practice wholesale. It's, it's about working with it in a way that fits for each person. So, for example, I saw a young woman recently who's, who's having some anxiety issues. Um, she's very happy to come and have a few sessions to discover her ability to relax when she didn't know she had an ability mm -hmm. to relax and then go away and live her life you know so from my perspective this is about a couple of things one is becoming more fully ourselves which is why i called the book the art of finding yourself because you know when when we become more of, of who we actually are life inevitably becomes richer um, our relationships become richer. We find ourselves doing what we actually want to do in different ways. Um, and, and also giving people a sense of um, confidence and authority even in their own experience. So I think one of the things this process does is give people confidence and trust in, in themselves and what they're experiencing which is something we often lose I certainly did you know I, I would just think that what I was feeling or thinking was wrong and so I'd look outside of myself for, for guidance and this this process really turns that on its head so as a facilitator I'm facilitating people to to be with their experience and and their wisdom and innate Mm -hmm. um, understanding of themselves, not imparting my own onto them. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, it, absolutely. And having done a couple of inquiries with you, um, it's really clear that there is there couldn't be anything that um, imposed beliefs less. Okay, because it is just a questioning and a getting per a person to reflect on their own experience and see what's going on on a deeper and deeper level. Yeah. Um, what what I'd, I'd like to push a bit further on that last point though Fiona because I'm hoping these podcasts go out and are helpful to people working in this area but also helpful to people who are perhaps really struggling with their mental well-being in various ways who often feel like uh, these things are for other people okay mm -hmm. like these things for people who are basically functional and want to have a slightly better marriage or want to feel a bit less anxious in social situations and um, so coming from um, initial starting point of Scott Kildeby's working with addiction, which is like a really serious thing and it traps people for lifetimes. Yeah. Um, just like to, to be sort of unleashed for a moment and talk about what you see the, the real potential of this as being. Like, is it something that can reach people in, you know, really um, troubled spaces? And is it something as simple as changing thought, something that's going to help them? Or is it restricted to people um, with more superficial problems? Um, no, it's not restricted to people with more superficial problems. I mean, I, I obviously at the, 
at the recovery center at the Killaby Center for Recovery, as you've said, people are in, often in dire straits with the, the degree of their addiction. And what what we've seen repeatedly is that, as you as you know, there's a there's a big correlation between addiction and trauma. And obviously, trauma is trauma is widespread, isn't it? You know, I know from my experience, we don't necessarily even know that we're suffering because on some deeper level we've been traumatized. For me, that gave rise to anxiety. It gave rise to all sorts of um, unhealthy relationship patterns as well. So we're very much working with the difficult stuff of life um, across the board. You know, which of us hasn't gone through something painful, basically? Um, and that's not that's not quick. It's not easy, and it's not simply about changing thought patterns. It's about giving the body space to to feel all the feelings that it hasn't been able to feel. Yeah. So you know, often we've we've needed to suppress or lock down painful things because we just couldn't deal with them at the time. And this process allows space for all of that to come in its in its own time, in its own way. So there isn't any restriction on what on what we can look at in the depth to which this can go, other than our own willingness to look. Okay, yeah, and that, that brings me nicely on to the next question because of, I was asking the previous one on behalf of the audience, because it is, it's of course, my experience um, that these tools are intensely powerful. And when you, as you say, are able to allow expression of that repressed emotion, those repressed feelings, and then also look at patterns of thought and th that have been created through these traumatic experiences and, and bring them into doubt in your mind and see new possibilities, then that's really to me getting to the core of things and it's incredible what resolves for all sorts of people um, in that way but one of the chapters that intrigued me um, in your book was um, the courage to look the courage to inquire it's called okay where you start off by saying that this process isn't for the half-hearted and that's a theme that I've wanted to explore on this podcast because I feel that when you read a lot of spirituality-based books on healing, the authors will put in their 10 greatest hits of who had the most transformational experiences with them. And I totally understand why they do that, but it gives a bit of a false perception sometimes because yeah. you get the impression that that's like miracles are happening every time they sit down with someone. And I think <coughs> yeah. thing that you mentioned, there's something required from the other side, from like the recipient or the client's perspective that they, they've got to bring a certain... It's possible, and this can work for anyone, but there's got to be a, a certain quality brought to the table in terms of courage to look. Could you talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really important to say is obviously it's the client who's doing the looking, not, not yeah. me. So I think the, the, the willingness is, is key. Um, this isn't, this isn't a quick fix this isn't a, a a matter of coming to see somebody who who does does some healing and then you go off away again and and you you're done you know this this really is a, a deeper commitment i'd say to to being with yourself in a in a different way and and i think 
there are times in life when for whatever reasons we're actually not ready to do that deeper mm. work i mean it might be for example that simply our external environment does it isn't supportive of it you know it would be very difficult then to get into deeper work if we're constantly having to think about our basic survival yes, needs in some way or so i i think i think not being ready is completely valid and i think i think we need to to feel into that and and see see if it is it's to see if we are willing to do it or not and obviously we can test that out you know quite often people come for sessions just to see how it is most people stay most people stay with the process once they've experienced it but it's equally valid i think for people to say you know what at the moment I'm not ready to do this. Sure. Go away and come back in a year's time or two years' time, what, whatever it is. The other thing I'd say is that when, um, you know, it, it's we can't tailor this process to what we necessarily want to happen. So even if, you know, I had a, a brief conversation with somebody recently, he was saying, I want to look at this situation in my life and reach a point of forgiveness. Mm. And I, I said, I can't possibly know, we can't possibly know that, this, that the process will end up at the point that you'd like it to. Because this isn't about going in a predetermined direction that our minds have thought up before we start. We, we don't know what will emerge. So, so in this work, we're not saying, okay, you start at point A and the outcome will be B. We, we don't necessarily know what the outcome will be, particularly in the short term. Mm. So generally speaking, the, the movement is, you know, deeper in, further outwards, a, a sense of more capacity or relaxation possibly um i use that word very lightly mm. but week by week that's not necessarily the experience so sometimes when we sure. go in and down you know things get messier before <laughs> before but we emerge again what you can guarantee is more self-knowledge really that's the, Ab the thing absolutely the more self-knowledge and more more realness and you know, ultimately, self-knowledge is a good thing, but it can be a difficult thing on the way to it being a good thing. Absolutely, because by definition, we're often uh, realising things that we haven't wanted to, to know previously. You know, some of this is very unflattering mm. because we might have an image of ourselves as being a particular person in a particular way and then we discover something within that completely contradicts our image of ourselves sure like if you want to get to forgiveness you might have to go through acknowledging an intense level of rage absolutely it just feels like that's exactly the opposite way to which you thought you were going totally so it might not fit with our ideal image of ourselves for, for sure and there's something in our systems in our in our deeper selves that loves the truth you know, I think there's something in us that wants to, to be with the reality of what's here. So even, and I see this time and time again in my own looking and with my clients, there's simply being able to say, you know what, I am raging. If that's our truth in that moment, is in itself quite liberating. You know, there's a yeah. relief in that on some level. 
Yeah, and I think, like I noticed with my own dealing with my own sense of anger, say there was a resistance and I wanted to push it away and push it away and push it away. And then when I did sink into it and just let it be, it's there was this sense of, oh, this is really interesting, actually. Why do I feel this way? And it's a transformation between wanting to be a, a new and improved me to being with me as I am and finding that's actually more interesting than the image. Exactly. And I think that's, that's the key transition, if you like, that I see in this work, that we come in with our agenda of wanting to be that new and improved self. And slowly we start, to, you know, there might be some frustration at the beginning in not achieving that seemingly. And yet we come to this much deeper, much more interesting place of, oh, so this is, this is who I actually am. Right. And, and I think there's something so delightful in that, actually. Yeah. Uh, and such a, an interesting paradox that transformation is intertwined with acceptance of the situation as it is. Yes, exactly. And I think in, in a way that doesn't suggest passivity. You know, for me, acceptance has nothing to do with a kind of passive resignation of like, oh, okay, this is just how it is. The kind of acceptance that we're talking about, I think, is, a, is on a much deeper level, mm. which doesn't preclude taking action. And as I said, well, the first, my first experience in inquiry was a, was a deep acceptance of, of the relationship I was in, which led to me leaving. Yeah. So it's not at all about, yeah, becoming resigned to things. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much um, for that, Fiona. I think that's a great uh, overview of your work and living inquiries. Um, we're hoping to have you back on. Um, I say we're hoping to have you back on. I don't know who this we is. It's only me. <laughs> um, <laughs> try and make myself sound, sound like I have a team. <laughs> um, in, the, in the future, you, and I know you've written very interestingly about the application of this to the kind of political arguments, debates that are consuming the world at the moment. And you've done that through analysis, an analysis of your own attachment to your positions. So yeah. I felt it'd be great to put that under se separate cover and really focus on that. So um, in the near future, I look forward to talking about that. Is there anything else you'd like to say today? Um, and please do say about your, your work as a Oh, excuse me, how people can get in, in touch with you too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, my website is beyondourbeliefs.org um, and people can get in touch with me through that. Yeah. Thanks, Richard. It's been great to talk. Okay. Yeah. I'll link to your website and just also to say you predominantly work over over the internet, right? So oh, yes. people anywhere in the world can... Oh, absolutely. Reach out absolutely. To you, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I work exclusively online. Okay. So I'm working with people from New Zealand all, all the way across the globe to, to the United States and everywhere in between. So, yeah. Wonderful. Okay. I'll link to Fiona's website on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And Fiona, thank you very much indeed. Great. Thanks, Richard. Good to see you.